You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. You know I appreciate you very, very much. This is a super exciting episode. A super, super exciting episode. Today, I am talking to Steve from Thursday. They are an extremely important band to my generation, and I cannot believe that this actually happened. He's a super cool dude, and we really dig into the history of his gear usage and what that looked like then, what it looks like now, and everything in between. This was a really, really, really fun episode, and if you don't know that band, I seriously suggest giving them a listen. They are absolutely incredible, and I really love them. So this was a real, real huge treat for me. I'd like to say I hope you enjoy this as much as I did, but I don't think that's physically possible. That said, this is the next best thing. So one quick little bit of business, and then we'll get right to it. If you've been with me for a while, I'm sure you've noticed that the ads have changed. They are now sprinkled throughout the episode rather than piled at the beginning. This was due to listener request and the ever-changing podcast landscape. I gotta feed the family, and that is what helps me do so. If that is something you really, really don't like, I deeply apologize for that, but there is an option for you. For three bucks a month, you can get the ad-free version of this podcast that is available over on Patreon. It's very affordable. Three bucks a month is not too much, and it helps me immensely. You'll get access to the ad-free feed, and you will never have to worry about that again. Additionally, for five bucks a month, you'll get access not only to the ad-free feed, but also to exclusive bonus episodes of the podcast. That's right, extra content. There are so many bonus episodes over there on Patreon, and honestly, it's some of my best work, I think, including this week. This week, I talked to Steve about aliens fairly extensively. We had a really great chat over there on the Patreon, and I hope you will join me over there for the extra bonus content and helping keep this weird little pirate ship afloat. I really, 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 really appreciate everyone who's done that. I thank you so much. It really, really, truly moves the needle. I can't tell you how much that helps. It may not seem like a lot, but when a lot of people get together, it really does make a huge difference. So thank you so much. And without further ado, let's get into this episode with Steve Padula. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have somebody I've been very excited to talk to, Steve Padula from Thursday. What's going on, dude? Not much, man. How you doing? Glad I'm to finally be on all after right. all, the, all the scheduling stuff, so thanks for we, having me. We finally did it, and I forgot to turn my heater off, so <laughs> there, it's gone now. Uh, that happens all the time. But yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. I wish we would have kept our our wires uh, a little less crossed and and messy because you were just you were just here we could have yeah. done it live that would yeah, have been, that been awesome. more fun yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i wasn't we'll sure to, i didn't to... yeah i didn't know where you were based so yeah well maybe next time we can make that happen we'll see cool. you guys seem to be pretty busy yeah it has been i mean this we're currently on our last tour of the year um we're out with cursive just doing like a two-week run they're doing Domestica front to back, and we're doing Full Collapse front to back. So it's been fun. So and then cool. we sprinkle in some other songs here and there on uh, both sets. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's been awesome. And we kind of bookended the, yeah. like, it wasn't intentional necessarily, but like this year started touring with them. We started touring with them. Mm-hmm. And then we all went our separate ways. And now we're ending the year together too. And it's awesome because it's like we're super tight friends and like we just love touring together. So it's been awesome. Yeah. When you guys started touring with them, uh, Initially, I, that was like my reintroduction to Cursive. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I forgot. I love this band. Yeah, and I yeah. dove back in after I saw that that tour was happening. It's like, oh, this band's so good. I, I can't believe. I hate it when that happens, you know, when there's something that you love and you, you keep up with and it, you just it's impossible to keep everything in your brain. Yeah. And then yeah. You, but the, the revisiting is always nice, too. So that was cool. Yeah. It it's like a, rediscovering. A like it's almost like getting something new again. So it's nice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So how has the uh, the tour been going overall? Has it been pretty smooth? I mean, you guys have done a bunch of different drops here and there. You were on a cruise. Like, yeah. there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff happening. How's, how's the year been in general? 
the year has been awesome. It's been uh, it's been pretty crazy, like probably busier than we uh, thought we were going to be at first. But, you know, it's like everyone is playing catch up after, you know, the the lockdown stuff and like the, you know, sort of more uh, scary time of COVID, I guess. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're everyone's been starved for it. So you're like, let's go because who knows what's coming next, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, that was the biggest, well, not the biggest, obviously. There was there was a lot of problems. But for our household here, that yeah. was the thing that we missed the most. It was like, oh, the live music. That's what that's what my wife and I have always done. Like, right, right. When some ki- people take the kids and send them to grandma's so they can go to dinner and a movie. And it's not that we don't do that, too. But we tried to reserve it for shows because there yeah, are yeah. so many artists that we love. And, and you get plenty now coming doing through this, there, so I imagine. There's a lot that come through Portland. It's a, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a hub for that stuff. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with location. It's in between, you know, California and Seattle. Mm -hmm. So why not stop in Portland on the way down? Yeah, exactly. So you've obviously, you've been in the band for a very long time and you've played guitar for a very long time. But when I talk to somebody who's, you know, got the amount of experience that you do. One of my favorite things to do is because this is supposedly a guitar podcast uh-huh. is take the, um, take the people through your rigs over the oh. years, as much as you can remember, like, what did you start out with when Thursday was first starting and what are you playing now? So when I first started, uh, with Thursday, I bought a, uh, I had this old PV cabinet with like the silver rails on the side and, um, with the old school angry logo. Um, but I, <laughs> yes. I bought a, uh, uh, I initially had a, like this old Ampeg Jupiter, I want to say. Um, it's just very flat, mm-hmm. clean tone. I didn't, it was just like, Oh, that's a tube amp. Great. Let me get that. And that, but I had bought it way before this. Anyway, um, sure. shortly into Thursday, I, uh, I, uh, I went out and bought a Mesa Nomad 100. And uh, I used mm-hmm. that for quite a while. Um, it was kind of weird. Like, I I don't know why, but I always have been the person that's just like, oh, everybody has a dual rack. Everybody has an 800. Everybody has, you know, like, I just didn't want to play the same amp. It just started off that way. Yeah. But then now I, I still do that, but it's not for those reasons. Now I'm just like, oh, I do. I really like these better, <laughs> you know? Um, but <laughs> yeah, but uh, after that, it was um, so Nomad 100. And then what did I go to? And then the next amp I bought was a, a Bogner Ecstasy Classic, and I was Ooh, using yeah. for a little bit like a matchless DC 30 for cleans. So I was doing the split amp thing. Mm-hmm. Um, pedals on both both those rigs. So I like started off with just a uh, the Blue Line Six modulation pedal and it, that mm-hmm. was all i used in the beginning um then slowly experimented like a compressor live and i was like this is dumb for my purposes right now <laughs> you know I, I had like right. this i had this like ridiculous like um skb used to make this pedal pedal board that was like a pedal board like with all the power and then like it had this thing that came up oh right so put the two rack units in it and this was back in the yes, day when i it, remember that yeah, this was back in the day when everybody was like, oh, you have to have a rack tuner, you know, the other <laughs> like late 90s, early 2000s like thing. So I had that for a while, um, eventually got rid of that. But sorry, I had to go back for a second. But yeah, the Bogner was next. And um, then I started expanding pedals, you know, added the the DL4 in, in, in there and um and kept it like that for a bit. And I was running like a clean app with the matchless. And even a, I did a line six for a clean at one point too. Um, I don't know which like a one spider? Was. No, it's like a Veta, Veta two or something. Um, oh yeah. I it was like really those. crazy. It had yeah. like a ton of effects and stuff like that. Um, cause, cause it was like the, and it's funny going from a matchless to a line line six. People are like, "What's wrong with you?" You know. <laughs> um, ultimately, for me, the matchless was like, and I get it. I'm not stupid. Like I know the difference. But like for what I was going for, it just wasn't giving me that. Like I like going for super like ultra clean kind of stuff. And um, mm-hmm. 
I was the matchless for me at the time. It might have been the one I got or whatever. It was like, first of all, it was so bright. Like no matter what I did, it was so bright and harsh. Um, I've heard them sound great. Don't get me wrong. It's just in my application. It just wasn't the right thing. So then I was just like, I'm just going to try this other thing. I was working with Line 6 at the time. And um, uh, I tried that. And it was great for a little bit. Um, and then after that, basically got to like, I started using... Um, Bad Cat Lynx 50. Um, Andy from Every Time I Die oh, had lent, yeah. lent me one as we went to the studio. And I was like, this amp does everything I want in one thing. Like, I love the clean on it. I love the distortion on it. Like, this is this is the, the one. So I just slimmed back down to the one amp situation. And um, at that point, I was using, like, a Line 6 M13 for effects. Um. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's funny because like you know you know it is people like some people really frown upon certain things with line six, but um, I've always liked their effects. You know what I mean? And it's all how you use them and, and and whatnot, of course. But and they've only gotten better. Like all this new stuff. Like now I'm on a Helix. I'm using that for effects and switching. And then my rig now is a updated um, the Lynx X uh, the bet from Bad Cat. And I blend mm-hmm. that live with a, a Kemper, and then I control it with the Helix, um, and then use the effects oh, from the Helix. Yeah, so like it switches both amps at the same time, so our front house engineer can uh, use both uh, both amp sounds and then like spread them out how he wants to up front and stuff like that. And it's nice because it gives him one signal with like not that there's a ton of bleed with mic, you know, amp, with a uh, miking amps or whatever, but you get the clean signal as well from the Kemper. But the funny thing is, the Kemper profile is also a Bad Cat Lynx. That is my other Lynx. That was going to be my question. What's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's set, it's set cleaner, I assume, like you. Yeah, That's well, I mean, they both have a clean and a dirty on both, right? So, like, both amps switch at the same time. Um, and our front house engineer oh, likes okay. to spread out the, like, you know, put one amp on one side and one kind of pan more to the other side. Got um, it. Got but it. he's been doing that even before... Like he was doing that with like those Palmer DIs that had the cab sim on it. So like, you know, a lot of people were doing that or whatever. But I do that. Mm-hmm. And then anyway, so like I have the the Helix for effects. But then, of course, I can't with how cool pedals are in the past, like always. But like, you know, the past, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years, it's been that explosion of like all this amazing stuff happening. So I have like another board in addition to it, which is way overkill for what I need, especially on this tour. But it's like I call it kind of like the, <laughs> it's kind of like the toy factory. It's like mostly the weirder stuff that the Helix can't do. You know, like um, uh, like I have a Mel Nine on there. I um, uh, I I have a Mel Nine. I have a the Ricochet the from Digitech the Freakout. Mm-hmm. Um, the Astral. Oh, Destiny. love the Freakout. Love yeah, it. me too. It's incredible. Um, Astral Destiny from Earthquaker. Um, I have. Microcosm, which I'm still learning how to use. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like one of my favorite pedals of all time. I love the, the, the microcosm. The mic- it's so amazing. Good. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And then I just got like, you can tell I have an addiction. I just had the, I just got the LVX from Maris, and that thing sounds incredible. One of my other favorite pedals of all time. That it's so I, so good. It's so good. It's just like a low. At first, I was. When I got it, I was like, okay, like this does a lot of cool stuff, but like the price tag on it obviously is pretty hefty. But then sure. I, I at first at first I was like not sure if it was worth it. And then the more I played with it and really realized how good the tones sounded out of it and like the clarity and like even the the stuff that's supposed to be lo-fi is lo-fi in a way that's super cool. Like it's it's there's more definition or something. It's not as like sort of crappy sounding. You know what I mean? It makes it, it, it's like mm-hmm. a higher fi lo-fi if that makes sense you know what i mean it sounds dumb but like it's just smooth <laughs> it's just smoother you know what i mean instead of like and i like that but you know don't get me wrong there's a time and place for everything like i have i just bought that new um tape loss um pedal from chase bliss what's it called mm-hmm. again is it called the tape loss generation the gener- loss. generation loss yep yeah yeah and so like that one you could do all the crazy stuff with the failures and stuff like that or whatever um but yeah, um, I also have a Bowman Overdrive on there, um, 
and Great pedal. yeah i love it and a uh origin effects um uh, the uh cali 76 i think that's go. all that is a that is a board after my own heart right there that's yeah that's yeah phenomenal. <laughs> yeah <laughs> The LVX is great because, uh, you know, when I make the weird music that I make, I, you know, I usually have just this insanely stupid, uh, like, chain of effects. And I'm playing the pedals, you know, up on a table as much as I'm playing the guitar right, or right. anything. And the LVX can do, like, I can recreate a lot of that stuff, not entirely, but really, really close in LVX by itself. Okay. Like, you know, how you can take each delay chain and like put bit crushers and modulation and different things on each one. And yeah. I would do that in real life. And oh, you can wow. do it a lot of that in, in LVX. If you like start to menu dive and you can place, you can like place different things in the chain. It's, right. Right. It's so deep. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, but it's my favorite pedal to menu dive in because it, it, I can visually, they have a visual and they have a, like, I forgot how they labeled it. Like, a. Like an old school one where it's like a just like, based yeah, 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 yeah. And those those never really worked for me in my my brain. The visual one, I can actually see what's going on as if I was setting up a pedal board, sort of. Yeah, and yeah. make sense of the chain that way. Yeah, but yeah, I loved I love that. I took the LVX uh, and my interface, and I borrowed a guitar while I was on a, a Nashville trip. Okay. I was I was by myself, so every night I'd come back to the hotel room by myself, and I said my goal was to like make a completed song with just the LVX and like some amp sims. Yeah, and I was able to pull it off, and it sounds just as wild and weird as anything else I would do. So yeah, I'm absolutely over the moon with that pedal. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Much. Do you do like ambient kind yeah. of stuff? Yeah, I yes yes and no. It's it doesn't sound like a like a typical ambient it sounds like more like horror movie oh, type cool. of thing going oh awesome on. very cool yeah so yeah so it's 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 not intentional it's just kind of what, what came out, out when i just yeah. let go yeah just, gotcha yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah, I'm like plug in whatever i want to plug in and just see what happens and just go with it and yeah and that's what that's what came out so that's awesome I've yeah just i'll just sort check of that embraced out. it and Oh uh, yeah, I can send you send you some links to it. It's 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 pretty weird. Cool. <laughs> I, I like weird. But uh, <laughs> well, we're gonna get along great then. This is gonna be <laughs> so, so when you are when you are like thinking about you know actually I want to take a step back before I get into that question. It tells mm -hmm. me a, a lot about a person when I'm asking about their rigs and they mm -hmm. start with the amplifiers. It, okay. People usually go like one of two ways. They usually start with the guitars, and they and they kind of forget about what amps they were playing. You started with amps, and we never even talked about the guitars. Yeah, I know. I just as you said, I realized. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So okay. So going back, um, the first the first guitar I played in terms of Thursday, uh, I had a seventy four SG. Um, still have it. Love Ooh. it. Unfortunately, um, it's headstock repaired happened twice and like the neck head headstock two of them two times that happened were my fault the neck was uh thank you to one of the glorious airlines um but um mm. so i don't really take that one out as much anymore but i still have it at home and i, I love it um so it's mostly forever i was like a gibson person i was always kind of like sg into the amp like i wasn't even necessarily super interested in pedals at first and then that quickly mm -hmm. changed. But anyway, sticking with the guitars. Uh, so start <laughs> with the SG was the SGs, um, and then um, and then I eventually got a Les Paul Classic that I loved. I had bought a Les Paul Custom, mm -hmm. and that was like always my dream guitar. And I was so disappointed. Like I think I just got a weird one, you know, that just wasn't suited for me. <clears throat> but I have then I was like super nervous about buying another one. Um, and then when I tried this classic, I thought I, it's awesome. But go ahead, what were you saying? I, I, I was gonna just note something about customs because customs were always some of my dream guitars too. Yeah, like I always wanted a Les Paul custom. All of like so many people in my favorite bands, you know, hardcore bands and classic rock bands, and yeah. everybody was playing. Like I specifically wanted a white, like 
Randy Rhodes, right. Les Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Randy Rhodes wasn't my big inspiration for it, but that's what mm. everybody everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But I like you, I'd played so many over the years. I began to think, oh, maybe I don't actually like Les Paul Customs because I I really genuinely didn't like any of the ones I'd, I I would see it. A shop would post it, or I'd just be wandering around and I'd see one. I'd pick it up. Oh, sweet, maybe this is the one. Like, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Ugh, I like I, my. I like my super cheap special better than this thing. And yeah, then I finally yeah. found the one. It yeah. did. So it's weird how that works. They're Sorry, out there. I'm interrupting. No, no, not at all. Because, um, yeah, when we did, when we recorded Full Collapse, um, this is all coming to me now. Like, I think, so I, I did use the, the SG on it a bunch. But we borrowed, a friend of ours had, uh, I don't know what year it was. It was probably like current at the time, like a 99, 2000. He had a, a Black Beauty. Uh, custom and it Ooh. sounded amazing mm-hmm. and that's why like that's also one of the things where you're like it does exist <laughs> you know you, there there are good customs but it's just so <laughs> wild how different each one can sound i mean it's kind of true of any guitar although i find um fenders more predictable um so far with with me I like agree. if i buy te- like a telly they all sound like tellies give or take like the threshold is smaller like they're they're like you know what you're getting kind of but um, mm-hmm. but so yeah, so, I don't know why that is, but I agree. Yeah. Um, for the next record, I wound up going to. Uh, so we had gone on tour with Poison the Whale, and uh, I I was just shocked that they were using tellies and 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 that they were so heavy live. I was like, how are you doing this? You know, like I didn't think it was possible. And uh, they all had like Hot Rails pickups in the Duncan Hot Rails pickups in the tellies. The thing I liked about them was like. They sounded really heavy, but you still had tons of note clarity within like a distorted chord, you know, and we do a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff where you're trying to like pick out some notes within the chord or whatever, but still have it feel like um, powerful, you know, and um, yeah, so for the next record, I think actually Andrew, our keyboard player at the time, he he had one, uh, he had a telly put that in there. And so we wound up using that on everything. And eventually that's what I switched to as my main guitar has been like a telly for, you know, over 20 years now. Um, <clears throat> but so now mm-hmm. it's like, it's mostly tellies. Um, I have a, uh, a 333 Gibson. It's like the satin finish. I think that's all the three means instead of the 335. It's like a satin finish dot okay. series. Um, I use that on a lot of stuff. Um, I love the way that sounds. And then I also have um, at one point, first act um somebody named jimmy archie uh was working there and like he was they were making i I met jimmy he's a 30th street guitars in new york now yeah yeah he's awesome great guy yeah he rules um i keep trying to get him on the podcast and i can't quite get him but uh, oh yeah he'd be great on it for sure he sees (laughs) it comes up a lot yeah comes up all the time yeah but um he uh he was like working with first act and they were like actually making really nice um custom guitars and I got like this awesome, mm-hmm. beautiful, like custom uh, hollow body out of them with a Bigsby on it. And that thing also sounds amazing. Oh. So, yeah, like it was one where I had gotten it right before we went into the studio for, I think, the last record we did, No Devolution. And I was shocked that it was like, it was the, it, that became the guitar I used on almost everything in the studio. And uh, I, I went nuts with it though. Like, I, you know, you're like, as you're like kind of going through your process of finding your sound or whatever, there was a point basically where I was like, I don't want active pickups. Like you think like, Oh, the hottest thing, like hot, like the hotter pickups are going to be like heavier or whatever. It's like not always the case. You just like have to like go through. No, it not usually. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, I had put alternative eights in that, uh, hollow body and it actually, they're like Seymour Duncan's that are like just super hot. Um, but they sounded great. Obviously, when you put those kind of pickups in a hollow body, <laughs> the feedback challenges are crazy. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. It, like I kind of tried to use it as much as I could for 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 those uh, for those reasons. But yeah, those are that's kind of the rundown. But still, today, like I have uh, my main guitar is a two thousand two or three, I think, uh, Telecaster American Standard. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you running the sock pickups in it or are you still did you go with the hot rails and hot everything? Rails, yeah. What did hot, you end up doing? 
Hot Rails, I did Hot Rails, but like I actually um, not so long ago tried to do a thing where, um, you know, Seymour Duncan, like anybody can call them and ask, like they'll make a custom pickup for you. And um, yeah, and I basically asked them to make a Hot Rails pickup, but with less output, like so same EQ essentially, and still have it be a humbucker in a single coil size, but with less mm-hmm. output. Because I was finding like that's where. And I could be wrong, but my theory was that like it was really affecting my clean tone in a way that was like too it was like pushing it too much, you know. I, like it, it, yeah. for for the distortion, I was like, cool, this is great, it sounds awesome. But like I was noticing, like I was struggling more with those pickups in terms of uh, getting a clean tone that I wanted. Um, and I did that, and it's all it it was awesome. So I need to slowly change over, excuse me, all of the other <laughs> tellies I have to that one now. But um, but same idea. Nice. Like it's just like that EQ that that is sort of built into the uh, Hot Rails pa- paired with the Tele is I just love it. Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Maris Mercury X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4,800 sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks and something along the lines of the most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man that's all true but i only care about one thing this pedal sounds sick so make sure you check out the mercury x and all the other fine products at maris.us as well as fine retailers worldwide. All right, Dad, now can I have my pocky? How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past, you had to use something called a record label. But these days, you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services, and it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. I've, I definitely played... Hot Rails loaded tellies in the past, but it's been a long time, and you're yeah. kind of making me get that itch again. I'm gonna need to try that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's cool. Like I, I just grew up on that thing of like, um, obviously now you realize like the you know when you've been doing it for for a while, like yeah, you can play heavy music with single coils, and it has a unique characteristic and a tone. But like I, I, I was so sort of. Um, um, sort of trained like not not trained but like i just got in this mindset of like you know single coils aren't for the kind of music i play you know what i mean like forever and it's just like such a dumb dogmatic view to have you know um Mm because then you see all these bands doing it you're like oh that's awesome and even now when i do it even if i like the tone i get all freaked out i'm like but what's missing you know like or (laughs) you know because i'm just so used to like so conditioned is what i was going to say about like about that theory of like what those pickups are for but you know it's like looking we're like just we just did a bunch of dates with my chemical romance and like almost all the guitars like most of the guitars that frank was playing were single coils and like i was like this sounds amazing you know um mm-hmm. so it's it's all application for sure but every once in a while i'm like all right i need to change it up and have uh some single coils in there i haven't done it yet though <laughs> so <laughs> It's it's funny that you mentioned that uh, the MyCam tour because when they came to Portland, I was noticing, uh, like of course because I'm me, I was like paying attention to the guitar changes, 
Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like watching and I was told, telling my wife after. So I'm like, even the guitar changes were perfect. Like they used the perfect guitars for every song. Frank yeah. had his Novo out sometimes, but the yeah. like Black Parade stuff, he was playing his custom. And I yeah. was just like, yeah. ah, yeah. oh man, this is just perfect. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I was so happy to to see those shows. What was it like, you know, for that, that tour w- was like going to be the biggest thing ever and then got totally derailed by COVID, yeah. which some people blame me for um, because <laughs> when they were coming to the Tacoma Dome and I was messaging with Frank and I was like, hey, dude, I'll bring up a bunch of pedals. We'll have a good time. He's like, absolutely. Yeah. And then I was so excited for that because obviously it's, it's a huge tour. Yeah. And I said, and my wife's like, now this is like a year away. So don't get too excited. Anything could happen between now and then. I yeah, said, oh, yeah. what's going to happen? It'll be fine. Right, right. I shouldn't have said that. That's, yeah. Sounds, <laughs> it's all my fault. But uh, what was it like when it finally did happen and, and going out into those stadiums like that? Did you ever think of like this style of music would be a stadium filling style of music ever? No, uh, no, not at all. But when you, I mean, I've seen them a million times and also like, you know, we've known them since before they were in my chem. So like we've seen their other bands, like, you know, and like at the loop lounge or wherever, you know, like, so we've known them forever. Um, but especially the level that they do it on and like how professional is not even the word. They're just so good and so tight. And like, they, they, they do it right. You know what I mean? So like, it's like, yeah, of course that can work when you're executing it, executing songs that are that good on, on that level. Like, yeah, it's going to connect with people. And, and with them, it's like a rabid fan base, obviously, you know? Um, Oh yeah. Totally. But dude, the other thing is like, I knew Ray was always, a, like a shredder like i always knew that but like on this tour i was like he like leveled up Dude. so <laughs> so much you know so, since they had stopped playing i was just like and the thing is with him it's just like i've seen him rip solos on you know like a les paul but then like he'll play some like harmony and it still sounds like him and he destroys it you know it's not like he can only do it on one you know thing or whatever it's just like it was it was pretty mind-blowing to see like how how like again i hate this word but how professional like they they sounded so good they and i don't mean that in a way of like you know like session players that are like amazing but maybe clinical or something i'm not saying all session players are like that but you know you know what i'm saying like sometimes that's that's the goal i mean they still have that that like feel and stuff but they like are so damn tight and like you know all the sounds are perfect it was yeah it was pretty awesome yeah yeah, it was. It's funny because my wife's not a big, you know, this is a curse for her. She's not a big guitar person. She's okay. a song person, if that makes any sense. She loves sure. music and she loves, you know, she likes all kinds of different things. But she really is just more about like, do I like this song or not? Right. And so the guitars are kind of sometimes they can get in the way. Okay. Sometimes it's too much. Right. Right. And what she's what she likes about them with Ray is like he shreds but it's tasteful and it fits the song. It's never too much. Even I when agree. he's like taking a big solo live. Yeah. It's like, Oh, she's always like, that was just the right amount of guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, Oh yeah. Go ahead. I, I, no, no, I, I, I agree. Cause like in general, in terms of the kind of guitar stuff I like, yeah, like, yeah, I get it. Like shredding is like, um, it's, it's a, a crazy skill to have and all that. But like, I find, you know, it's overused. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people out there where it's just like, okay, cool. That's amazing that you can do that, but it doesn't do anything for the song or whatever. And yeah, sure. There are, it has its time and place, you know, and all that stuff. But like, you know, like the way Ray does it, like is super tasteful. And like, you know, the, even like the solos are like kind of, you know, they're more memorable. It's not like, just like, look what I can do. It's not like, um, American Ninja Warrior on like guitar, you know what I mean? Like, there's like an intention behind it, a feeling <laughs> behind it, and and um, and so that that's what I like. I mean, I've always been the guy like my style of solo that I, I like um, is like a Billy Corgan kind of thing, where it's just like still super melodic and like it's stuck in your head, and you know what I mean. And it has it does have that like flashy like technique of like those shreddy things, but like are still grounded in the song. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I like. I can't. That leads play into it, the exact. <laughs> <laughs> I I relate. I I understand. That actually leads into the exact place I was hoping it would. Who okay. are some others? You mentioned Billy Corgan. Who are some other guitar players that inspired you? Because I think what you do with the band is incredibly unique in the world of guitar, at least in my opinion. Nobody oh, sounds like Thursday. And, you know, your playing is a big part of that, obviously. Well, who inspired you? Um, so I think it's a it's a, it's a kind of like Thursday is. It's a bit all over the place, but like a lot of the influences wouldn't be obvious. Like, you know, for me, it started with like the glam metal stuff. Like I was a huge Def Leppard fan. It was like the first concert I went to and stuff like that. That's not stuff that's it's, it, it sneaks in, but like it's not ever used in that same way or whatever. But like I would say the things in terms of like direct influences that you may be able to hear is more like, you know, Fugazi, The Edge, um, you know, uh the police in general like that those tones from andy is just like you know the chorusy like kind of effects or whatever like that kind of stuff but for me it was more the the bigger influences were like the fugazis of the world like quicksand and like where it, it was like cool guitar parts and riffs and sounds but also like like we're talking about like i i don't go as far as like the billy corkin thing with the like Mine are just like shorter leads. They're not like solos. I never think of like a Thursday song having a solo. It's just like these sort of the sprinkles you put on top that like embellish like what's already happening is usually the goal. Um, mm-hmm. But I think those guitar players are, <clears throat> you know, kind of where I I go to the most, you know, where it's like some cross between like if I had to just pick three, it would be like, <clears throat> um, well, I'll count Fugazi as one, even though we know it's two, right? Um, <laughs> That's but, fair but, enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Like The Edge, you know, Ian and Gee. And um, uh, who else was going to say? And I mean, Pete Townsend was another big influence. I had, this, uh, there was someone else mm-hmm. I was going to put in there, but you know how it is. You're, there's like, there's always a million, but like, I got very oh, into I the do. whole delay thing and like, using that musically like you know because when you're a kid and you hear you two play you don't understand why it's cool like what those what is what is he doing you know um Mm -hmm. which which to me here's this was a telling thing like did you ever see that um it might get loud in here documentary oh yeah so like i love that yeah i did did too but in a way i almost felt bad for the edge in that context because like his stuff is so much part of a song. Like when you hear it out of a song, you're kind of like, that's what that is. But it's like amazing <laughs> in the context. You know what I'm saying? Like when you just mm-hmm. like, it's the same. Like when, you know, when I first started playing with Thursday and if I'd be like family would come over and be like, Oh, play us a song. I'm like, if I play you my parts of the song, you're gonna be like, what the hell is this? Like, it's so ingrained right. and attached <laughs> to the other things, you know, like, and you know, that's the thing you sort of learn. Like it works for a while. Like, Tom and I, Tom, the other guitar player in the band, like our parts sort of meshed together. Like they leaned on each other to become one thing so often. And like that, uh, eventually you start to like flush that out and use that as a tool where you don't do that all the time. But in general, that was kind of always our thing where it was like just one of the parts on its own wouldn't necessarily be the coolest thing. But like together, they like Mm -hmm. just like really like came together and made sense. Uh, but anyway, that's what I felt like when I was watching that it might get loud in here. It's like the parts and tones and stuff that like Jack White and Jimmy Page have, like they're amazing and they stand on their own. But then you they would cut to the edge and you'd be like, yeah, well, you know, in this song I do this and you would play the part. And it's just like you're like, yeah, it's cool, but it's not as nearly as cool as it is in the context of the song. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which I think is, it's, is awesome. I'm not, it sounds like I'm, I don't mean to sound like I'm bagging on him. I'm not at all. I'm just saying like, that's, that was like a perfect way of seeing how his playing is like really ingrained in like being a bigger part of the song, as opposed to something that could just stand on its own, you know? It's kind of, that movie is, it's a weird turning point for me because at that point, you know, I tried to imagine myself maybe more like Jack White mm-hmm. uh, as far as my playing goes. But in reality, especially as I went further and further down the pedal rabbit hole, 
yeah. is much more the edge than it is Jack White. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. He even the point where <laughs> like when he's when he I remember a scene in that where he cl- clicks his memory man off. Yeah. And he plays the part. He's like, oh, this is this is what I'm doing. And with the delay off it, it doesn't it doesn't sound cool at all. Yeah. Because he's yeah. playing the delay. Yeah. As much yeah. as he's playing the guitar. Right. And so he clicks the, the memory man back on and it's like, oh, all of a sudden there's that sound again. This is fantastic. Yeah, right. Uh-huh, yep. And I and at the, the time of my life when I saw that, I was like, well, that's lame. Like you should be able to make cool sounds without that. You know? Right, right, right. And then as I went further along, I, I just didn't understand. You know, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. And now I do. So it's just we all get a little older and grayer. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Out, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah, it's funny. I mean, so that was like, excuse me, that, that was like a fun thing. Like, when, so after we did World of Time, we did A City by the Light Divided with uh, Dave Fridman. And his whole mm-hmm. thing was just like he really made you feel comfortable being like, I don't care if it says Casio on the label, if it's right for the song or it's cool, it's it's cool. Like, forget about this. Like, I don't want to use this line six thing because the stigma or whatever, you know, it's just like it's so stupid. All that stuff, like, you just got to throw all that out and like whatever works and sounds cool. Like, that's what sa- that, that's that's the way to go. You know what I mean? Um on on that record like for example if you just told me the idea of a variax i'd be like oh like that's so weird and i don't know you know what i'm talking <laughs> about right the the line six I like do, modeling yeah. guitar right um but i mm-hmm. they had sent me one and i was like oh like you know uh, like any gadget guy I'm go- i am curious like i was like i don't think i'll play this live or whatever and then i had showed it to dave and we were working on the song and it had us like a sitar setting on it and mm-hmm. and like we talked about the song, we worked on it, and then I was like, "Oh, I have an idea." And as I was walking out, he was like, "He's like looked at me, he's like sitar," and I was like, "That's what I'm thinking." I'm like, "Let's try it," you know, like whatever. And it wound up being <laughs> awesome. And now it's so hard to recreate like that sound. Um, I've, I figured out some ways around it or whatever because like the, the that guitar that I've had, it's seen, but it doesn't really work as well anymore. And but, but anyway, like, that's the thing is, like, it was a cool effect. And, like, sometimes we would try to play that song and I didn't have some, some there. And it was just, like, not the same. Like, it's the tonality of it, like, really adds to the intention of the song and the feel of it. And it just sounds wrong without it. And it's not to say that, like, the part isn't right. It's just, like, that's part of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny because, like, you know, so many mm-hmm. people go, like, well, if you can't play the song on a guitar or vocal, like, it's not a song. It's, like... You can still do that, you know what I mean. But like, for it to be presented the way you want it to, like those are the those are all part of the instrument, you know. If that yeah, makes sense. and I I don't I don't agree with that that mindset at all. Yeah. Really, because there there's lots of great music out there that doesn't have any guitar on it. Yeah. You know, I there's there's a ton of like weird electronic stuff. There's a ton of hip hop stuff. There's a ton of stuff out there that's great music that doesn't have guitar on it and yeah i'm not I think, trying to bag on guitar obviously i yeah. make my living in the guitar world i yeah, love yeah. guitar but that's just a kind of a ridiculous mindset to have i know people that have said it if you can't just sit down with an acoustic and and one singer then it's not a good song and I'm like i understand what you're trying to say yeah, there yeah that like the bones need to be there sure but that's that's not a tr- true across the board statement no, no, yeah. I mean, and I meant any instrument, like a piano, whatever. But like, yeah, like, like exactly like you're saying, like, right. Just because you don't hear the bones, like, doesn't mean it wasn't built on that. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of ultimately the thing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I just to me, it was always like, who cares? Like, if it works, it works. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great mentality to have because I remember I've told this story a few times on the podcast, I think, but Pro Guitar Shop used to have a physical store in Portland years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And obviously they were, you know, one of the premier pedal dealers at the time. Yeah. And so I went in there many times after work to buy strings, quote unquote. And, yeah, yeah. and I'd end up with some ridiculous fuzz pedal. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember I, I bought a couple pedals <laughs> there one day and this guy behind me 
was like, he was there just kind of hanging out. He was like, what do you got there? And I was like, oh, I got, I don't even remember what it was, like a mad professor and yeah. some other boutique thing. And he was like, oh, that's cool, man. Those are really great. It's not, not like some crappy boss pedal. And even right. at the time, I was like, boss pedals aren't, boss pedals aren't crappy, dude. Yeah. They're indestructible. What are you right, talking right. about? Like yeah, this, yeah. Maybe they're not cool. I think they're cool now. They've become cool again. Yeah, but yeah, at the yeah. time, this was, you know, 2000, I don't know, 10, 2008, somewhere yeah, like that. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. They weren't cool for right. in some some spa- uh, spaces, but uh, it's just if it sounds good, it is good. And that's all that's all there is at the end of the day, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought it was interesting too, like that you mentioned boss, like um, there's uh, uh, they just released that. I think it's called the Terraform pedal or something like that. Have you seen that? Uh, are you talking about the Terra Echo? Terra Echo, not Terraform. I got mixed up yeah. with a shellac record. Yeah, Terraform's a Wampler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Gotcha. Oh, I there see. You go. That's a Wampler delay pedal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> or no, uh, modulation. Wampler yeah. modulation pedal. Sorry. Ah, my brain. Anyway, but it, it was crazy because like, I was, I thought it was. I was. I was like, oh, this will be interesting. Boss is going to try to get into the like sort of wackier sounds, you know, like like out of their comfort zone or whatever. But when I went and played it, I was like, this is cool. But you feel like you find the end of the pedal that quickly you know what i mean like i was like ah Mm -hmm. not quite you know like like it was their attempt at like an (laughs) earthquaker pedal or something you know what i mean but that is also interesting Mm -hmm. too it's like those pedals like a boss pedal is like right there it's very easy and like here you go like we were just talking about how like a microcosm it's like no you have to learn how to use that thing you know like any of the chase bliss stuff it's the same deal where it's just like it can be super overwhelming you know and I know some people are like, this is just too much, you know, but, um, yeah, I've got a few of those that I, that I love too. And again, like, you know, like say a mood or the habit, like those pedals are like, okay, give me a few months, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> to a degree. I mean, I know like you can, you can plug them in and make some cool stuff happen, but like, if you're trying to like know what you just did, then you have to spend some time with it. But I think that's cool. Like, gotta, I, I like yeah. that both things are, are possible now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely what what pedals have turned into is really cool because now there are sounds and ways to craft them that have literally never existed in the history yep. of music before, yeah. which leads to obviously some very interesting and cool possibilities. And, you know, I feel like people probably felt that way in the 80s when they had all this cool rat gear Yeah, but to yeah. see how far it can really go. Right, it makes right. me excited for the future to see what's yeah. possible who knows what's what's going to happen next it almost makes me think one thing like, i wanted to ask you too is oh go ahead sorry no, i was gonna say it almost makes me think like where can it go because like things are so insane right now you know i'm sure it will like it'll it'll like everything it always evolves and like i think you're right like it is going to just get cooler and crazier but like trying to imagine what that is at this point is like so tricky you know like you're like i don't even know what that sounds like you know <laughs> But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, so, you know, obviously you spent a lot of time thinking about what you're using on different parts yeah. uh, in the studio. As as things have evolved, like, does has that impacted your writing process at all? Uh, a little bit. Like, I, I feel like I definitely got to a point where I was relying too much on pedals. Like, so I would... I tr- I've been trying to do stuff where I have been writing um, a little bit more minimally and then bringing that stuff in. Although that mm-hmm. being said, um, like even on my live board, like right now we're doing full collapse and then a couple songs, like I don't need all this extra stuff I have like at all. But the reason I have it there is because sound check, those mindless times where you're just like messing around and you just turn on a pedal maybe that you haven't tried before. Like, I feel like there's always these like magic moments that happen. And then sometimes that's like a a thing where you find like the basis of a song or like a cool intro for a song or a bridge. You know what I mean? Like, um, so I keep like, even on my live board stuff that I'm not necessarily going to use live in, in terms of the set list, but like know that I can like turn up, turn on something any second, any chance I get at a sound check and like see what happens, you know? 
And then you just like grab yeah. your phone and record it or whatever and like take a photo of the damn knob settings and all that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I think it, it does. It, it has affected writing for sure. And like that's part of it, right, is it, it, in that way. But then there are times at home when I do just like I'll – my goal will literally be just like I just want to go downstairs and make some noise and like play like with a couple different like pedal chains or something. And then inevitably something comes out of that like where you're like, Oh, this could be a basis for something, you know? So it, it does, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to like balance it. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to like have a balance of what's relying on a pedal or not, you know? Um, I mean, I, I know some people don't like that. Like some people don't like having to have a specific pedal to like, to be able to play certain things. Like, like imagine minus the bear trying to like play their songs without a DL four without several DL fours. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, but right. I think that's awesome. <laughs> you know that that's amazing. It's it's really not much different than being like, well, if you don't have your if they, if Dave doesn't have his DL fours, I'm not don't get me wrong. That dude's incredible. Like, um, he, he would do something oh, yeah. amazing without him. You know, and he, and he does. But in the context of that band, it's like it's almost as important as his guitar in that context. You know what I mean? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. So I, I, I think when it works like that, it's cool. You know what I mean? And, um, and obviously Dave has shown like with all of his projects that it's not just about that, but it's amazing that he took those pedals to somewhere a lot of people hadn't thought of, you know. We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff. I don't even think Line Six probably thought that was was going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, so. think. To be honest, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we're getting close to the end of uh, the end of the episode here, and okay. I've got some. Uh, I've I've got some uh, questions from the Tone Mob Facebook group. So okay. I want to make sure I squeeze those in before we before we drop off here. Okay. Um, there's a few just there's a few just like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> like people very excited about this episode. So that's oh, awesome. that's pretty cool. Uh, I didn't give them very much notice because I always forget. I, I I should do this like a day or two before, but I'm like I'm recording with Steve in 20 minutes. So right, right. Give me your question. What do you want to know? <laughs> but we got a few in here. Yeah, yeah, we got a few few in here. Um. Sonia Quartzleaf, she's a big supporter, uh, says, what is the favorite thing to do while traveling and pass the time? Also, Thursday has been one of my favorite bands for nearly 20 years. Keep up the good work. 
So yeah, favorite thing to do to pass the time. Oh man. I mean, so right now, since it's still uh COVID is still fresh, just being around your friends mm-hmm. again is the, is the best thing, you know. <laughs> and especially dude, when you yes. have someone like Tucker in your band and that dude just makes you laugh nonstop. Um, I think that's yes. my favorite thing, but uh, other than that, I'm a big movie guy. I try to watch as many movies as I can. Uh, but right now, it's been more about like I just want to be around people, <laughs> you know. Come catching up on my or or relearning how to be social. Almost sometimes, where you know, like when you first got out of the pandemic, you're like, wait, how do you talk to people again? How do you <laughs> go hang out? You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, right now it's literally just like we can sit in the front lounge of the bus and have the best time, just like having coffee in the morning. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned that about Tucker. I, I spend about, I don't know, 20 minutes to a half hour with him and, and, yeah. uh, the rest of the future violence when they were here. And, oh, okay. uh, you're right. He, he make he made me laugh about every five minutes or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or it, something it, he would do or say. He's just yeah, a great dude. Exactly. An incredible exactly. driver. Incredible yeah, yeah. driver. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. Well, here's a, a very specific question from okay. Blake Lawson. Okay. How, how did he pull off the siren guitar sounds in autumn leaves revisited from a uh, city by light divided? Uh, the siren guitars. Um, so there's a bunch of stuff happening in that song. I'm not sure if they're referring to the like slide guitar part. Um, but that is just like a slide with, uh, bunch of reverb and delay on it um for there's like a like a okay. slide lead but then there's like tons of um when we recorded that fridman was like uh i want to make like let's just do a bunch of tracks where you just go in the room don't even put your guitar on and just like kind of like hit your hit hit some notes on the guitar like while it's on a stand and then just manipulate pedals and then i did that for like three takes front to back and like, you know, expression pedals and that. twisting knobs and all this stuff. And like, it's definitely one of those things where it's like recreating it is like impossible, you know, like to be exact, you know, like I I've tried to reverse sure. engineer some parts and I'm just like, I have no idea like how I did that thing or whatever. And, um, so we did a bunch of takes of those and then just like comped it all together, um, in a way that worked with, cause like that song has like a haunting vibe and like, so like, those layers are just like kind of help create the mood, that mood or whatever. Um, so I'm not sure which, yeah. cause there's sireny things that happen in the noise parts. And then there's also, um, the slide part, but there's, yeah, like a couple, I would think it's probably the slide with just like delay and reverb on it. And just like, sometimes just like floating around whatever the like root note is and just like letting it do its thing, you know, like, so it gets dissonant and then it comes in and mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, Nothing, nothing crazy, and lots of experimentation. <laughs> you know, like, I, uh, well, it's crazy, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're getting down to the uh, last bit here, and this is where I I have a couple classic questions that I wrap the episode up on. Okay. But before I do that, I like to give the guests a chance to take the stage, say whatever you want to say. You've got a few thousand people listening right now, and you know you can. Shout out your aunt, or uh, you can plug anything you want to plug, or you can get anything you want to you want to get out into the world. Now is a good chance to do that. Well, I don't have anything new to plug, but you know, just I'd say uh, thank you to everyone that's like still listening and still cares about the band. We'd never thought that like you know over twenty years later we'd still be touring and people would still care. And so thank you know thanks to all them, and then you know all the all the brands and people that we work with, like, you know, Line 6, Seymour Duncan, Fender, DR Strings, like, um, uh, probably missing, like, a Dunlop, like, you know, all these all these companies that help support all their artists, like, thank you so much, you know. All right, right on, man. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm always terrible here we go. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I waffle back and forth between whether I should warn people about that or not because some people i like i really like they're just like immediate off the cuff. response yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, but then some people, it's like, oh, I wish I had more time to think about it. And I, right. I understand, but I don't know. Maybe. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> maybe we'll see what happens in the future. But the uh, the final questions, and this will this will actually go back to something we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite boss pedal? Um, my favorite boss pedal. I would say it's the uh, it's the RE two hundred one, the the tape echo, the original one that they put out. Mm-hmm. The, the dual pedal that's like mimics oh, yeah. their m- mimics the uh, space echo. Uh, I haven't tried the new one, so I can't say that one yet. But uh, I, I really like really like that one. I really like that one as well, and I think when you get a chance to play the new one, you're going to be stoked because okay. the new one is awesome. <laughs> All right, awesome. <laughs> it's, it's so good. <laughs> Maybe that's cheating because it's like the bigger boss pedal, but um, I think it counts. It's a okay, pedal cool. made by boss. All right, All right there it's we go. <laughs> yeah. All right, and this is you know coming from where you come from. I know this is probably something that has been discussed many times and can get kind of controversial from time to time, but. Okay. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Hmm. Like favorite, like with like what toppings are, or, or you're saying place? Get as specific as you want to get. Like I, I, I get real nitty gritty with the my answers there. Like you got a favorite pizzeria, you got a favorite style. You got. I mean, a, I, f- I feel like know. in where I grew up, New Jersey, New York, there's so many good options. But I grew up with a pizzeria downtown called uh donna's pizza and it was incredible and just their uh both their regular cheese slice and sicilian slices were were incredible to me Mm. but but i also grew Mm. up when it was like in and this was before you know like all i love now all the like more artisanal stuff where it's like the really fresh crust and like the uh, the sort of new ovens i don't even know like kind of brick oven ish but like you get the personal pizzas that are like just like next level those are my favorite now yeah um but it's funny i talk to people about this all the time now like it used to be like in new york which was very close to me growing up you could go anywhere and get a slice and it would be really good now i'm like what happened <laughs> you know like it's it's a struggle <laughs> like to find just like a good slice like there's a couple spots but it's not like not like it used to be but so i'll, I'll stick ultimately with donna's in palisades park new jersey is that still there? It's still there. Still there. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The reason I got to visit New Jersey. Yeah, there All you right. go. It's, the good news is the it's right over. The reasons keep racking up. Yeah, it's right over the George Washington Bridge, so it's not not that uh, terrible commute. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for hanging out. This was a blast. This was fun for yeah, me. Yeah, thank you. you had a good thank time. you, too. Yeah, I had a great time. Again, sorry it took so long to, to make yeah. it happen. Um, hey, I knew it was going to be worth it. This was a this was excellent. Thank you <laughs> cool. again. All right. Well, we'll go get uh, real weird over on Patreon. What do you say? Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. For Steve, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks. There you have it. There's another episode in the can. And I, again, really hope you enjoyed that. I had a great time. Please go check out Thursday. If you've never heard of them somehow, do it. Treat yourself. Go check out that band. They absolutely rip. And if you would like to hear more of this conversation, as I said in the beginning, head over to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for five bucks a month, you can get access to bonus episodes every single week. There is a ton of content over there for you, so much to pour through, and I'm releasing more and more all the time. That really, truly helps me immensely. If you can do that, it really is huge. I cannot tell you how huge it is. So thank you to everyone who does do that. Thank you for listening. Please share this with somebody. Maybe you got a a guitar person in your life that needs to hear more chatting about guitar. Maybe you have a Thursday fan in your life that needs to hear this episode. Please, please share this around. Sharing it with your friends. Hey, force your friends to listen to it. If you're in a car ride right now, just make them listen to it. Maybe they'll get addicted just like you. All right. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you on the internet very soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, 
go to tonemob.com slash stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gun Street harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunStreetWiringShop.com and check them out. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.